today, um, I, I want to walk through this in a way that's not just, you know, inspiring you with, maybe with a, a positive speech. I really want to press in that we would accomplish the objective that God has in mind in our gathering. And I not only hope that we leave with impartation in our hearts, but I also hope that we leave with a clear understanding of how to be empowered to walk out everything God's called us to walk out in the next seven days. We believe that we experience God's presence to then carry that into real life. That's why our total focal point as a church family is we bring God's presence to real life. At the conclusion of the message, you'll see the action point. We always conclude with the God's presence to real life, action point of the week. And um, I want to, this week, as you are pondering maybe, you know, how to spend some time family-wise uh, with some friends, if you look at our blog, every week we post the message. I write it out so that you can access it. We also put discussion questions that will help you take the message that God is about to illuminate for you personally. Take that message and bring it into conversational atmospheres, maybe with friends, maybe over family night. Many of our community groups utilize those questions. I want to give you an idea of what uh, those look like. This week, you'll see on there one of the questions, and it's really more of a Bible study this week. You'll find those of you that are in your groups. But what would be different in the world? Think about it. What would be different in the world if everybody suddenly began expressing greater kindness? How would the world be different? And it just would lead to a great discussion. And then bring it on home. What would our home look like if everyone in our family just began to express a greater degree of kindness? And so where we're going today is to talk about how love turns things around. So I'm going to seed some ideas and thoughts in your heart. And then you'll be able to take those into conversational expression and really lead your family, lead your household. We don't dedicate babies just because it's a nice thing to do to hold them up like Mufasa, uh, you know. But we dedicate children because we're saying we want our children to grow in their faith in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what will change everything about the legacy of our family. So love really does turn things around. We want to try and equip you to be able to walk that out. There are a lot of ways that we express love, isn't, wouldn't there be? I mean, you can think of a number of different ways to express love. One of those would be to invite somebody to dinner for six. Uh, another way is to stand on behalf of others in a place of prayer. I had uh, somebody shared with me not too long ago that they were, they were stepping into a posture of worship and kind of moved out in front of a group of people that were in this place of worship, and the people behind them began to mock them because their worship was more expressive than them. And it was really interesting because this individual, who's pretty young, actually had quite a bit of maturity when they said to me, you know, I felt like God was saying, lift your hands in worship, not in spite of them, on behalf of them. Just lift your hands in worship on behalf of those that might be mocking you. How many of you know standing in the gap for somebody because the love of God is awakened in our hearts is one of the kindest things you can do. And you don't really have that capacity and ability within yourself because I don't know if you figured it out or not, but you're not as nice as Jesus is. He's a lot nicer than you are. He's a lot nicer than I am, I'll guarantee. Like there's sometimes I'm thinking, man, I do not want to go do that. And the Lord will be like, no, we need you to do that. I'm like, okay, God, I'll go. That's the love of Jesus being demonstrated in our surrendered available lives. See, the false element of religion teaches us to fake Christianity as best we can so we're representing God well, and that's nonsense. The true faith of Christ is when we allow ourselves to be in touch 
with both our strengths and our weaknesses. And did you know the Bible actually says in your weakness, that's when the strength of Christ will be perfected? In other words, in the places that you're not great, that's when He really steps in and helps you demonstrate the nature of God as you're willing to obey. So I want to invite you in, in that vein. Let's stand in, in the gap on behalf of our city. Let's stand in, in the gap on behalf of our state. And let's stand in, in the gap on behalf of our nation. We have this incredible privilege, and it's taking place Thursday, May the 3rd. And I want to invite you on that day to come to the state capitol if you are able to arrange it with your work schedule. Um, we've been invited to stand with the governor, with the lieutenant governor, with the various officials that day for the National Day of Prayer. And I'll be one of the podium guests representing uh, and praying for church and, and pastors and spiritual leaders in our community. And I want to invite you to come out that day. The, the prayer hour will be from noon to one. But we have been invited as uh, a congregational family to actually lead the intercessory prayer time before the event at 9.30 in the governor's blue room. And so I would invite you, if you can make the whole morning and early afternoon of it, to come join us there in the Blue Room at 9.30 at the State Capitol Building on May 3rd. And let's express the loving kindness of God as we stand in the, in the gap on this amazing day of the National Day of Prayer where people are going to be praying all across the land. You know, when we go and we step into that place of prayer and standing in the gap, there's something of the anointing that begins to be released. Isn't that a weird word, the anointing? The anointing. I want us to understand a little more of the anointing. I, I, I led us into this last week, and I want to just point out once again to you that verse in Job 29. It's a really interesting verse. My steps were bathed in butter. It's just crazy. Have you ever read that before? Uh, you know, you read a verse, and then you realize, oh, it's been there the whole time. I've read it, but just not paid much attention. We don't think of Job speaking of what a blessed life is about, but it is absolutely uh, the reality that he knew what it was to walk in the blessing of God. And even when so much had been stripped from him, God replenished and restored so much as he remained faithful. And he's speaking of the blessed life. When, when, the, when you're walking in the blessing of God, your steps are bathed in butter. And the rock pours out for you streams of oil. So last week I introduced this idea and what that really means. And when, when somebody in the Old Testament would be anointed, they would stand wherever they would stand and they would pour oil over them. It would drip down their beard and, and oil would remain. There's a mark of oil on the ground wherever you experienced the anointing. Now we move into the New Testament. How many of you know we're all priests? We're all prophets. We're all kings per the uh, declaration of the New Testament gospel of Jesus Christ. Are there any kings and priests in the house? I want to ask the kings and priests to come alive today. Come on, kings and priests, let's come alive today. Let's express our priestly declaration today. We are the kings and we are the priests, and we carry the anointing of God. And everywhere we go, our steps are bathed like butter. Everywhere we go, we leave a residual of the anointing of God. And on May the 3rd, when we stand on the steps, or actually it's in the second floor rotunda uh, of the Capitol building, we, as we go and we walk up those steps and we go into that facility where so much is going on, there's something of the anointing that we're leaving in the trail as we go and we stand on behalf of our nation. But not only that, everywhere you go this afternoon, you're still 
steps are like butter. There's an anointing that's released where we carry the anointing. Do you know who you are? Kings and priests and prophets, the, the New Testament men and women of God. Do you know your assignment in your everyday life? Do you know your assignment in the restaurants and the grocery stores and the friendships and the elements and the neighborhoods and the workplace? All those things. Do you know? You are called to leave a mark of heaven everywhere you go, the mark of God's strength and the mark of God's power and the mark of God's love. We attract the affection of heaven. There's something about our cooperative nature with God having received Christ that then opens the doorway of heaven into the earth. And I want to encourage you to understand what that is. Our steps are ordained by God to release God's blessing in the earth. Our steps are ordained by God to release God's blessing in the earth. Come on, clap it in. We're agreeing today. Our steps are ordained by God to release God's blessing in the earth. And I challenge you in this. I, yesterday, uh, Daniel Pulliam, usually he's here for both services. I guess he's going to be here for a second. But he's the loud guy over on this side. Some of you know Daniel. He claps real loud and he shouts real loud. He's Daniel. And when he comes in the room, he comes in the room real loud. What you don't know about Daniel, see, you, you just don't know. You, you hear somebody, you watch somebody, you look at somebody, it's easy to make fun of somebody and not really know where they've been. But if you know the boy came out of prison, if you know the boy came out of drug rehab, if you know the boy's come in to the power of God as a man of God, if you know the man's steps are now positioned where he's serving God with all of his heart and all of his life. I appreciate his voice in this house. I appreciate when he gets loud. Some of the stuffy religious stuff gets knocked off of the rest of us. We look over and say, why does he have to clap so loud? You just don't know what people have been through. It's easier just to, to cast insults than it is to gain understanding. And, and yesterday in his new house, now that he has a new job, new family, new friends, there was this uh, home dedication, and, and so I made it a point to go over and just kind of stop in, and as I, I walked in the house and, and looked around, I said, Daniel, man, your life has changed. This is incredible. Look at where you've come from, and look at where you're going, and he was just beaming, and, and there were, I don't know, 30 people there with a big tent set up out front, grilling burgers, and, and it was primarily the Destiny family. Hats off, you guys. It's awesome to see people moving in that direction. And I, I walked in the room and Daniel and one of his, his roommates, Ryan Kennedy was there, who also I happened to meet in jail doing a jail visitation. And Ryan's now giving his life to Jesus and he's ready to go all in with everything God's called him to. And they're both standing in the kitchen, and I look over, and off to the side, there's like the most humble-looking little table, scratched up, you know, wooden table, and, and, and I, I think to myself, you know, they'd probably go over there, and I can see them making sandwiches, you know, sitting down and eat at the table. And I walk over to the table, and there's just something unique about that space in their home. And I, I kind of put my hand on the table, and I said, you know, I suspect there is a tremendous amount of studying the Scripture that goes on at this table right here. And they both looked eyes wide open. Every morning, that's the table they sit at and have Bible study together. You know what I was sensing? I was sensing the anointing.
I was sensing that our steps are like butter. Where you dwell with God in the earth, it leaves a mark. Where you dwell with God in the earth, it expresses something of heaven. Listen, we can learn to discern what God is revealing and releasing the earth, and we need to get into a place where we're more readily available to that as we keep walking this out. God speaking into us, us speaking out. God pouring into us, us pouring out. It's interesting, the Bible says in Proverbs eleven twenty five, a generous man will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. A generous man will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Part of your ministry to the Lord is to minister to the people around you. And, and I love this progression because it really lays it out pretty clearly. And I just want to make sure you understand as I'm reading this verse, it is not about being prosperous. It's all about being generous. It's your first blank if you write that in. It's not about the pursuit of prosperity, it's the pursuit of generosity. And what happens many times is we start pursuing prosperity and we use generosity as a tool to manipulate God. And that's not what this is saying. It's not the pursuit of prosperity, it's the pursuit of generosity. It's the pursuit of sacrificial lifestyle. I want to just challenge you. There's a common vein of thought, and I've talked to a lot of people about this. People come and they say different things like, Boy, one day, Pastor, I'm going to, you know, deal's going to come through, contract's going to land, situation's going to happen, and I'm really going to do something then. You can count on me. We're going we're gonna to do great things. I mean, I mean, we're really going to go whenever, whenever I really come into. And I just want to challenge you not to believe the lie that being prosperous will actually make you generous. Because it's not God's plan to teach you Uh, generosity on high levels of income. It's God's plan to teach you generosity on all levels of income. It's not God's plan to teach you later. It's God's plan to teach you now. And He wants us to learn to be faithful now, wherever we are. And, and, and it's not about big offerings. You, you know that. I'm, I mean, just the, the whole element of, of just looking at Scripture, we see that the, the people that gave big offerings didn't impress the heart of Jesus. But the little widow who gave very little because she was giving an element of percentage that was incredibly sacrificial, that's what captures the heart of God. You can learn that on a lower level of income much easier than you can learn that on a higher level of income, especially when you've not learned the basic lessons on a lower level of income. Really important that we understand this concept and we recognize what God's calling us to. This is why God functions with us in percentages. That's why the idea of tithe is 10% of your income. Kind of puts everybody on the common ground when we look at what that, what that is to bring our first fruits before the Lord and then offerings as we serve Him to see His kingdom expand, other things that He wants to do and desire. But we just need to understand in all elements of our lives, God never works with what we don't have. God always works with what we do have to unlock the next step of what He desires to place within our our possession. Did you catch that statement? He never works with what we don't have. He always works with what we do have. That's what unlocks the next dimension of where God is trying to take us. You are part of God's plan to share God's love. You're part of God's plan to share God's love. We have to learn to purpose generosity in our lifestyle. I, uh, I'm going to tell myself, Tracy doesn't know I did this. We're, we try to eat healthy at our house, more, more accurately, Tracy tries to make me eat healthy at our house. And, and I usually do a pretty decent job, but yesterday morning, you know, Copper and I didn't get to go to the ladies' things because we're boys. 
And so here we are, you know, hanging out in the morning, and I woke up, and I thought, man, I'm hungry. And so I decided, you know, I'm going to go eat breakfast somewhere. I'm going to go have breakfast, and I thought, you know, what do I want to eat? I, you know, sausage and egg sounded good. And, uh, and I started driving down the road, and I got to this, have you, can you all see that? I'm not going, I mean, I may be, but, you know, that, we realized something there. Uh, so I'm driving down the road, and I, and, and I thought to myself, Sonic. <laughs> I mean, they have great food. I pulled over in Sonic, and I'm thinking to my, uh, this is just going through my brain. Isn't this crazy? Like, this is stuff we do. And I'm thinking to myself, if I pull in and park, and the car hop comes out, then I feel a little more obligated to give a bigger tip, especially because it was raining, than if you go through the drive through lane. They have a drive through lane at Sonic now. I think it's to alleviate the pressure of feeling like you have to do a big car hop tip. And so I, I, I'm going through the drive-thru. Like, I'm going to save some money and go through the drive And I drive through the drive-thru, and I get my order, and I'm pulling up, and they give me the number that it's just not enough that, you know, there's just, like, change. And, and that's really not enough to tip. And now I'm in this, I'm thinking, what am I going to do? I'm in a drive-thru. I mean, if I go to a drive-thru at McDonald's, they don't expect me to tip, you know. And so I'm, I'm like, thinking this in my mind. And, and I get up there, and the, the door opens, and, and suddenly I just feel it in my heart. Like, you know, any time that you're not generous, you're going to remember that later. I have never regretted being generous. I have many times regretted not being generous. Anybody in the room? And so I just reached over and I gave uh, uh, an abundant tip, like at least 25 cents more. And, and now I, I, was, I wanted to be a blessing. And so I did that and, and I pulled away and I just thought, man, it's just not in our nature to live generous and sacrificial lives. But it is in the nature of God that's being awakened within us, even under the sound of my voice today, that we would begin to walk out with generosity. Come on, we're going to walk in such a way the anointing just is released everywhere we go. People are going to experience His love. People are going to experience His generosity. People are going to experience the nature of God that's being awakened with us, even as we get under the power of His Word. The Bible says you are a river, not a reservoir. It's your next blank. You're a river. You're not a reservoir. There should be flow through. God's trying to get things to you so He can get things through you and see the kingdom expand in your everyday life. I'm talking about the way you live your life at the workplace. People should think of you as a generous person. A person who's sacrificial, trying to help, make a difference, just make everybody's life a little better, a little easier. Our whole focus in this season is, is secret acts of service where you're doing things for people on behalf of heaven, not because you want any kind of accolades or recognition. You are designed to receive God's love, and you are designed to relief, release God's love, and in doing so, you're discovering God's transformational purposes that actually are seated deep within your soul. They are seated in you. God planned you before time began. I don't know how it works, but the Scripture is very clear. You're not an accident. You're not an experiment. You are a purpose assignment from God. There are things God wanted done that make you necessary to your world and to this generation. And when you begin to live a sacrificial life in the way you walk out your everyday life, things that are deep-seated within you begin to come alive and be awakened, and you begin to experience transformational power unlike anything that anybody can understand with their mind. It's not about forcing generosity. It's about awakening generosity within your soul. 
Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 3 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them the theme from yesterday, beauty instead of ashes, joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. Listen, in today's world, the church has turned believers into consumers. I want to address it. We're we're looking at the word Jesus used for church, and we've confused that word, and I've been talking about it every week, and what the ecclesia really is, and I'm not going to go into further explanation on it today. Previous two weeks, I gave clear definition, but please understand this and recognize we live in a day in a society where many ministries have made going to the church more like going to the movies where you're entertained enough to entice you to come back. Don't want to ask too much of you because, you know, we don't want to put anybody off. We don't want to run anybody off. I want you to know Jesus died on a cross so that we could learn the sacrificial nature of God that awakens something within us that causes us to become everything God has called us to become. We're not wanting to entertain you. We're wanting to disciple you. Going to church should be more like going to the gym. We want to put you to work. We don't want you to listen to us worship. We want to engage in worship. We don't want you to listen to us talk about the Word. We want you to talk about the Word. That's why your amens and your shouts and your hand claps of praise and your stand-up declaration, walk the dog, bishop, whatever you have to say. That's why it's a very important part of what God's called us to do as a family. We're getting together over God's Word today. We're releasing something from the kingdom of heaven today. It's just the way we live our lives. It's certainly the way we come to church. I want you to, to catch it. It's my, my little final bit here that, that I just want to give a deposit of this before we go. And I want you to catch it. I want you to keep in mind this whole perspective of beauty instead of ashes. Not just addressing ashes, but displacing ashes with beauty. Not just addressing mourning, but displacing mourning with joy. Not just the five easy steps to conquering mourning, but this is about the power of joy overcoming those areas in your life. Not just conquering despair and and eliminating it, but in its place, declaring a garment of praise. Ephesians 4.28, this is such an interesting verse of Scripture. Paul writes to the church of Ephesus, and he says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. We know this from the Old Testament as what? Let's say it King James style. Thou shalt not steal, right? But that's not where he ended. You really need to understand this. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. Doing something something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with other people in need. He wasn't saying stop stealing, or he would have just been merely enforcing the law. What he was saying was, you're so self-absorbed, you're trying to cheat people out of something for yourself. You need to get your mind off of yourself and get your mind on others. And when you begin to focus on others, let me just tell you, you will be set free. It's a prison to be self-absorbed. The gospel awakens God's creative abilities within us that have the power to make our world a better place. Nehemiah chapter 13. 
speaks of how God reverses the curse into a blessing. Would you hear that today? He's not just wanting to eliminate the curse. He's wanting to reverse it into a blessing. He doesn't just want to eliminate your anger. Listen to me. Some people in this room who struggle with anger. And you, by the sheer force of your will, try and fight this thing that bubbles up out of your soul, making you so angry. Rage tries to just, you're, you're trying to hold it back, but it's consuming you, and you just can't control your rage. And you are never designed to put a cork in your problem. You will blow your cork at some point in time. How many of you have ever blown your cork before? God doesn't want to just try to address your rage. He wants to teach you love is patient, love is kind. What comes out of you? It's just incredible. I, I posted on my Pastor Dude social media yesterday or the day before the idea when somebody does you wrong that I'm going to be the bigger person is really a horrible idea. Because if you're doing something right because you're the bigger person, you're doing it as a motive to be better, bigger and better than they are. And that should never be our motive. See, there is a worldly way to do spiritual things. And this is why we have to be so guarded. It is so easy to slip into worldly ideology that kind of manipulates theology into an understandable concept, but never really transform us on the deepest level of our lives. God doesn't want to address the curse. He wants to reverse the curse into a blessing. He not only wants to help you not be known as a person that's full of rage and anger, He wants to help you become a person who's known as an individual who's full of love. And the people around you, they'd be like, are you kidding? You, you, you struggled with that? This is amazing what God wants to do in all of our lives. He doesn't just want to address, listen carefully. Some of you in this room, you are every single month at the end of the month struggling just how am I going to make it work financially? How am I ever going to get ahead? So many things. He doesn't just want to address the issue going on in your life with finance, which largely, how many of you agree, it's a spending issue that God wants to address within us. I know, I know we just got to sometimes meddle a little bit, but I mean, if we'll just think about where we're, what we're doing with our money well in advance, then we can do a whole lot better job with it. He doesn't just want you to come to the end of the month and be completely stressed out about not being able to have the fight. He wants to increase you in such a way that you're walking in a place of sacrificial prosperity and you're actually making it happen for others as God is making it happen for you. Come on, we just want to call that into our lives today. We want to address this. See, there's an amazing truth, and the truth is God wants your life to be awesome. But there's an amazing trick that's equally as amazing as this amazing truth. Because the trick is, though God does want your life to be awesome, the trick is He doesn't want you to pursue an awesome life for yourself. He wants you to provide an awesome life for others, and that's what will make your life so awesome. But when we're focusing on just pursuing an awesome life for ourselves, 
Not much is awesome about that. It's ugly, selfish, self-absorbed. We're blinded. We're deceived. We're giving into lustful flesh that's drawing us into ideas that, that are going to be damaging ultimately, not just in our lives, but listen, in the generations to come. So we're breaking that today in Jesus' name. I just feel the Lord saying he's going to break some curses today. If there's any curse in your life that you want to see broken, I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to break some curses today. We just stand today and declare some curses are being broken there. Curses of addiction, curses of divorce, curses of division, curses of poverty, curses of a negative attitude, curses of, of negativity and anger and rage broken in the name of Jesus. Come on, we're believing. We're believing today. We're believing today. Hiss the enemy away by the clapping of your hands, according to Job 27. Come on, somebody give me 60 seconds of praise and declaration. We honor you, Lord. Reverse the curse into a blessing, we pray, oh God. We refuse to settle for what the enemy desires. We choose to rise up in the Lord our God. Come on, let's all stand to our feet. Lord, I pray this week that you would help us to purpose to make a difference in the lives of people within our reach. Our actionable conclusion today is not to just show up and have a celebration of the goodness of God, but it's to receive the goodness of God. It's to embrace the goodness of God. It's to digest the goodness of God, that it begins to transform us to be the people of God, the sons and daughters of God, that the Bible says uh, the world awaits for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. Let us, Lord, become everything that you've called us to be as we surrender our lives completely to you in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name, we're not here to try and convince you to be good. We want, we're here to try and convince you to come to the cross of Jesus Christ where you lay your life down. It's not easy. It's going to be costly. It's going to be painful, but it's going to be powerful. Nothing great is easy in life. Have you figured that out? You've got to be willing to lay it down. So come on, let's come to the cross. Every one of us will take a step today. But specifically, I want to invite, if you're here and you've never taken the step of standing before the cross of Christ, before the Lord your God, saying, because of the fall of humanity, because of the sin of mankind, we need Jesus to redeem us and rescue us as the Messiah. If you've not made that decision and you need to make Jesus Lord of your life today, I want you to lift both your hands in a posture of surrender, just as we surrender to Him. And come on, let's say this out loud, every one of us in the room, let's say it on behalf of these that have lifted their hands, say, Lord Jesus, you came, you lived, you died, but you're alive. You're who you say you are. You're the Messiah. You're the Savior of the world. You are my Savior. You rescue me from my sins and strengthen me to live. Surrender to you all the days of my life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you, Lord.